0: In our culture, we learn through stories. But what if the stories we hear don't match the reality of life? What if the stories we hear every day that tell us how to write the narrative of our lives actually lead us to a false narrative? My name is Tim Kroll, and on this podcast, you will hear real stories. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Real people sharing the hard times, the bends in the roads along life's journey. If you're ready to join a community of other real people who are writing the narrative of their lives, then go to narrative.live and join the community. Now let's dive into today's show. All right, welcome back. So if you guys were listening to Kathleen's story, you're going to want to hear Wes's story, which is sometimes the other half of things that are going on. And again, I've met Wes and Kathleen when we were out at an event for business, for business building. Uh, You already heard kind of some of the stories, so I'm not going to repeat some of that as far as the introduction of how we got together. But it was really, really, truly a special time where we could actually share on a deeper level than just business, which then led me to ask both Wes and Kathleen to be able to step in here and talk about their stories and talk about the real life events and some of the challenges that you faced and some of the things that are going on. So Wes, welcome. I'm so thankful you're here. I'm really excited to hear about what's going to happen here and how you're going to share all of the really cool things that are going on and sometimes not so cool.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Well, awesome, Tim. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, looking forward to it.
0: Yeah. So let's go ahead and get started. And and what we always do here when we get started into this is really like, what were those foundational things? What happened uh, right before you kind of entered into your adult stage or entering into Mm -hmm. the adult life? What were the things that happened that really kind of formed your basis for doing life. And so what are those beliefs that are, you know, like I grew up this way. I mean, I, there's all kinds of stories that we hear and I, I'm, I'm really curious to hear where you got started at.
1: Yeah. So I grew up single mother, super poor, <laughs> you know, uh, he, I had a stepfather for a while, alcoholic, he used to beat me and my mom. She left him. Um and then it was just me and her at t- age 10. And then, you know, she just did the best she could. You know, we were living on the East Coast, actually, yeah, in Delaware, Delaware with Beach, Delaware, and she got a job bartending. So I had already gone out and started hanging out with the older kids and getting in trouble. Got in a lot of trouble. so she's like, "Hey, you have a grandfather out in San Diego." um so we 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 made the move out here. And I kind of isolated a lot, but I still, you know, I was like skateboarding and yeah, I just uh, got caught up in the drug scene, you know, and, you know, so that just, even though I like kind of stuck to myself just because I got in so much trouble, I was like, okay, I just want to kind of go to school and yeah, I just caught up in the drugs, like marijuana and stuff and was growing it and selling it and all this kind of crazy stuff. And, you know, my mom, when I graduated high school, she took off to Alaska and I uh, was just left by myself, like, and she thought I was going to go to the Coast Guard <laughs> So (laughs) the recruiter came to the high school. He was going to recruit me. I kept dodging him. Long story short, I didn't sign up for the Coast Guard. I, I took a different trajectory. I started like, you know, pretty much becoming a drug dealer. Like, you know, importing weed from Mexico and sending it to the East Coast. My whole outlook on life was, you know... That it was just off. It was me, you know. She's like, the, literally, the day she I graduated high school, she just took off, and she's like, "You can come with me to Alaska." I was like, oh, "I'm in San Diego, Mission Beach, California. Like, this is like, you know, a dream. You know, I have a house right near the beach. You know, got a yeah. roommate." So I didn't take her up on that offer. Didn't join the Coast Guard. Got in a lot of trouble with that. Ended up going down to Nicaragua on the run because I got in some trouble. So I got myself in a tons of trouble. My my whole outlook was just like I didn't have any direction. I didn't have a father figure and I was just doing whatever I wanted to do and what I thought was right or what I thought made me happier, you know? Let's unpack that a little bit, just because, I
0: mean, you covered the fact that you didn't have a dad, but you had a stepdad, and then there was abuse that was involved in there. Mm-hmm. That alone is enough to change the trajectory of your life that is enough alone and then you add on top of that like you said you started getting involved with some of the scene there and moved over to san diego that's a huge change just yeah. moving from one coast to another coast yeah. you know getting out i mean there's so all of that i mean like that's a lot that we just like in, in what <laughs> two minutes like here you go boom kind of a thing like so maybe walk me through some of those things like you, you said like when your mom took off there at the end you were, you felt like you were truly at that point all alone but you didn't really have any guidance. So maybe walk me through how you felt about that. Is it, was it anger, frustration? Was it like, oh, well, this is the way it is. Like how, what, what were you thinking through those things?
1: Yeah. I kind of always felt that way since my mom would like, you know, leave and like, you know, she'd just be out at two, three in the morning. So like by 13, I kind of felt like I always had to make my own way. And so I wasn't really angry. I was kind of used to it. And I was kind of, I don't know. I was just like, I got this attitude. Even though I didn't, (laughs) I got myself in a lot of trouble. But yeah, actually, I felt like freedom. I was like, okay, like I I wanted the challenge of being on my own and figuring it out for myself. And you know, I was making actually good money doing the marijuana thing back when it was illegal. You know, and so yeah, I felt. No, I don't know. I just always had this confidence. I don't know why. I mean, I guess when I got in the trouble and actually went down to Nicaragua on the run from the government, I got caught at the border bringing people across the border, and I didn't sign. Actually. rewind i actually did end up so i was by myself trying to figure it out nothing was working so i ended up joining the coast guard reserve (laughs) (laughs) was that like an escape there is that what that was yeah i was like nothing was working so like i said no direction nothing i was trying a little bit of this a little bit of that try to work some jobs here try to do the weed thing and it just nothing was working and so i was like you know what let me go knock on uncle sam's door and let me let me sign up for this coast guard thing and and maybe this will give me a better trajectory i was like 21 22 and so I did, went to boot camp and I actually felt like for the first time, like a, like, like a part of something, you know, yeah. like big, bigger than myself, like the camaraderie, like, you know, like we went to, I went to boot camp and then right afterwards I went to A school and just the whole thing was like, awesome. I actually like, yeah, for the first time, like I felt like, you know, a part of something and it was really cool. So yeah, it was great. But I, what happened was I still had like a drug and alcohol issue, you know? So as soon as I got some more money and then I had a job, you know, and then I came back to San Diego, I, I married this Italian girl at one time. So I got like extra money for like basic, basic housing allowance. And, So I was making really good money and and I came back and instead of like getting an apartment, like I got a van and then, and I don't know why I got a van. So I'm living in the van. I just didn't want to pay rent. I don't know why. I just, I, it was just so expensive in San Diego, but I just was always so against it. Like, I don't know, rebellious spirit. So I ended up going down to Mexico. My friends used to always say I was crazy. Like I've kind of always done my own thing. Like no one's going to tell me what to do. I'm just going to do it and I'll figure it out if it's good or bad. And But so I went down there, I got caught up and pretty much like the cartel and they took my van they told me i was going to smuggle someone across the border i was down there for a whole month i ended up coming across the border they catch me and that's how i got into trouble with the federal government and so my mom so wait
0: I- wait wait so so you are officially <laughs> so you're in the coast guard right so yeah. so you're there right and then you're yeah. living in the van and yeah. then you go down to mexico while you're in the coast guard and yeah. then the cartel. You kind of get mixed up with the cartel, whatever that that's probably a whole nother story to unpack by itself. Yeah. But then as you're smuggling this guy back, while you're a Coast Guard agent, yeah. right? That that's yeah. what I'm understanding. And then all of a yeah. sudden now you're in trouble with the feds as a Coast Guard representative.
1: Yes. Yeah. So they got me at the border and they got my ID and they're like, Man, you're on our side, you know, like what are you doing? And I was like, I just kept my mouth shut because I didn't wake up that day saying, I'm gonna go to Mexico and I'm gonna start becoming it legal alien smuggler like just wasn't on the agenda it was definitely like a duress case like do this or die and Mm. but the way i was living my life like i just i still was like you know kind of had a criminal mentality like i'm not going to say anything plus they have my id with my mom's house and they said they're going to go there so it was like and i was just scared so when i was at the border i just kept my mouth shut and I kept my mouth shut the whole time. And then I, you know, the, my, my attorney was like, yeah, we're, we're going to fight this case. It's a duress case. You were afraid for your life, yada, yada, yada. I was like, okay. But he kept telling me three to five years, if you lose, you're going to get three to five years. I'm like, man, I've never even been in trouble in my whole life. I'm like, I couldn't, like I'm 21 year old kid. Like I'm going to do five years in federal prison. Like that's like a, you know, that's just scary. So I actually ended up, my mom's boyfriend bailed me out and I got caught up with the wrong, you know, doing drugs hanging out with this one girl and I just decided to go for it and so I run and I go to Nicaragua and I went all the way to Nicaragua and I was down there for a whole year in the poorest country in the western hemisphere (laughs) next to Haiti they're tied with no money and with nothing and I end up in this little fishing village so my buddy Luke had married a Nicaraguan girl I went to high school with and um he sat there and he said um he's like can you stay here you can live in this little fish net shack. They cleared they cleared out for you, and you could fish with them with the local fishermen. And I gave Mama Maria forty dollars, so you'll have food. She'll cook your food for a month. And he looked at me and he said, "You'll be all alone in this world unless you find God." And he turned around and walked away. Nobody had ever shared the gospel with me. Nobody ever told me about Jesus, God, anything. I remember one time asking my mom, "What's Christmas about?" And she's like, "Oh, it's the birth of Jesus." I had no, and that was like when I was like thirteen. I had zero idea. Like just God was absent from my whole upbringing. Mom was an atheist, all this stuff. But when he said it, it hit me like a ton of bricks because I was at the lowest point of my life. I was scared. I had no money. I was on the run in a third world country where I didn't speak the language. And my buddy just told me I'd be all alone in this world as I find God and turned around and walked away. And so I stayed there for a year and I learned the language and the people took me in and I fished with them and they loved on me. And I got my, first, someone gave me my first Bible, a tourist, and I read it and I didn't know what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John was. Cause I never read it before. I was like, it's all kind of the same story, but a little bit different, you know? And then they were like, you know, then someone gave me the purpose driven life by Rick Warren. And that's when God started like pursuing me, you know? Like, here I am, I've been walking with the Lord a long time, so I just know that's how it works. <laughs> Meet you at your lowest moment. Got enough courage, read the book, Purpose Driven Life, wrote a mission statement and decided to turn myself in, face the music, do that, go to the embassy, turn myself in. They fly me to Miami and they fly me back to San Diego. And, you know, they ended up giving me like 30 months, like two and a half years. So I went Let's in. Let's back up. Can we back up just a, a couple of heartbeats <laughs> there?
0: Yeah. Um, because you were saying that you were at the lowest point in your life. I mean, you're living in a, a shack, basically, yeah. a fishing shack. You're, you're yep. fishing every day with this family, and uh they're basically allowing you to stay as a friend, maybe. I, I don't really know what the <laughs> term would be for that point, but but basically, and I, I'm sure that I mean they probably didn't have a spare bedroom in a shack, so you're probably sleeping on the floor on a mat, maybe or something like that. like, like that's got to yeah. be a pretty low spot.
1: Yeah, mat, and they put a little battery out there, and they wired like a light to it, so I had like a little light at night. And it was like literally like where they put the fishing nets at. So they emptied that out and then they put the nets in another little shack. And so, yeah, it was just like in a mat. So where where were you at like mentally, emotionally, physically? Like where were you at in that point? Man, well, I would mentally, I was like just scared and like, what am I doing? Physically, I was really skinny because I wasn't eating that much. And I was just emotionally, I was just kind of just, I don't know, just like, I, like I said, my view is like I, I was always on my own, anyways. So it was just another situation where I was on my own, but always had a little bit of help. You know, like I like felt like you know, like yeah, I'm on my own figuring out. Always had a friend or like you know, this case, this family taking helping me out. Like I was never like completely alone, but like yeah, I was just like, okay, I'm just here I'm figuring and figuring out. I really thought I was just going to live there forever and 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 watch all the kids grow up, and this is going to be my little village. And after like. A couple of months, I was dreaming in Spanish, and so I, I learned the language pretty quick because they don't speak like I was literally like a small little fishing village, like no English, like yeah, they were like, yeah. What's this? What's this white dude with blonde hair and blue eyes doing? Like, where'd you even come from? <laughs> he don't
0: fit, he just doesn't fit. <laughs> yeah, like where, where this guy come, no, no, that's color. So so through that year, then I mean, like, there had to be a lot of transition, a lot of things because you go from being on the run to saying, Okay, I'm gonna turn myself in. So it was that the catalyst time was that year in there? Did something happen? Was there something that was just like it's interesting you're saying about God showing up, but it's interesting that uh, somebody just few words and that's how God kind of cracks you upside the head a little bit. says, "Hey, wake up.
1: Yeah. It was just so powerful. I remember he was going to a, a church in Costa Rica. And so this is my buddy Luke from high school. We used to like do all our dumb stuff together with. And when he spoke, it wasn't him speaking. He was like, he was like this picture of like, like, it wasn't the Luke I knew. He was like a man. Like, and when he spoke, it was like with authority. It was like, mm-hmm. He looked at me, he and and I know he's going to this charismatic Holy 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 Ghost Church in Costa Rica, and uh, I think he's just filled with the Spirit of God. And, and he just when he spoke to me, it just pierced through, and it, it was crazy. And then it was how God got my attention. And there was this radio station called Radio Rumbo's, and every time they would do a entry to like a new song or their segments, like so it happened like ten times a day. There was this song, it was like popular in the eighties or something. It was like. So you think you're better off alone. And I would hear that 10 times a day. And it was like, that was the words that Luke spoke to me. You'll be all alone in this world unless you find God. And I'd hear that on the radio. So you think you're better off alone. And wow. Actually put put all, all together and just seeing how God's work. But then I met, I was a horrible fisherman. <laughs> so I <laughs> sold my net. So I sold my nets for a mountain bike. And i'd ride my mountain bike to the closest tourist uh, area where the surfers would be at and i made a friend over there this guy chris and he was from san diego and he's building a house so then i started building helping building his house he's like look man i can't pay you more than I'm paying the local labor so i could pay you 80 cents an hour and i can give you lunch and i was like that's more than i'm making fishing you know sometimes fishing i'd be skunked i'd be out in the water for 12 hours and, and get nothing so I took that job offer. I worked for him for like three, four months and I'd ride my bike every day. And in this time somebody gave me a Bible. So I started reading it and just something just hope just from reading it, like hope, like just started rising up in me. And I remember riding that bike. I'd have to ride like 12 miles each way on these like dirt roads just to get to this other part of town to help build Chris's house. And I just felt like full of life. And I was happy that I had a job and I happy my needs were met, you know, and I was a local, like, I mean, they, Treat, I worked with the locals, I lived with the locals. I was just like they you know I was like one of them and then my buddy Luke came back with his dad and they had some money and so and was, you know they started drinking I started drinking with them and then it just got really bad again. It got mm-hmm. really bad again and I was just like, you know what this is just not going anywhere for me. I need to turn myself in and, you know, go face the music and just get this part of my life over with. And that was the catalyst was just, it started getting really dark again. You know, I've had all that hope. Did that scare
0: you? Like when you saw that coming again, did that scare you? Was it one of those things where it was like, oh, I don't want to be back at that spot again. Is that kind of where you're yeah. at?
1: Yeah. Yep. And just, there was no future in it, you know, like literally like, I I wanted to come back down and I, one day I wanted to own some property down there and I wanted to like have build a surf camp and I saw what other guys were doing. And I was like, that's a great life, you know, but I I can't do it in my position now. And yes, it scared me just seeing how like the drinking and the drugs and everything was like, just really bad. It was just taking me to a dark place. And so I don't know if it's God's grace or just me, you know, a combination of both just, you know, seeing like, down the road and like this is leading absolutely nowhere. Um yeah. and the only and the only way to get past this situation is to just turn myself in and and, and face the music and just get this part of my life over with. So how like, did
0: you find the courage to be able to turn yourself in?
1: Yeah, that's it, yeah, because that it it does take a lot of courage. You're free and you know you're gonna go incarcerated. So it was that book, The Purpose Driven Life, you know, I read it and I wrote a mission statement to God at the very end of it. And I prayed and I just woke up and I went, Oh Got to the embassy. I mean, there's a crazy story in, in between that, but I almost got killed on the way there <laughs> in Managua <laughs> and like I was walking there and then it got dark because it takes a lot of courage. It was like dark. And I was like, man, do I want to, uh, you know, I, I was sitting at this little market and I was drinking a beer and I knew I was going to turn myself in. So it was my last beer. And I'm like, all right, like, you know, I'm getting the courage, right? And then next thing you know, it's dark. And so I walked by this kid and I, you know, asked him where the embassy was in Spanish. And he's like, Oh, yeah, follow me. I literally have nothing. I have no money. I would, I'm wearing like a pair of shorts, a t shirt, and some, and some local like little flip flops, plastic flip flops. But I remember it was like, cause I know I was in a very dangerous part of Nicaragua. I used to see it on, on the news and like machetes, like, you know, people hacking themselves up with machetes and stuff. And so I found a piece of rebar and I picked it up and I put it down my, my, my shorts. So when I'm following this kid, he, uh, next thing you know, these other guys come out and they, and they push me up against this wall and they're asking me for stuff. I'm like, I don't have anything. And then they search me and they find the rebar and they pull it out and they, and they hit me right, right here. You can't, probably can't see it, but it's a big scar. So they came like less than an inch away from taking my eye out. I turn around and I ran And um, I'm bleeding profusely everywhere and the cops come up and they look at me and they take off and I'm like, okay, I'm going to die. You know, like, like literally like in your America, like you see a police officer, you're like, Hey, help, you know, stop. They're going to help you. Like here, they looked at me like, here's this crazy white guy bleeding. We're out of here. We don't even want anything to do with this. This kid came up and I swear he's like my guardian angel. (laughs) He came up and he said, you have to come with me and we should just start running. And he takes me to his house. He locks the door. He got big steel like security doors, and and he takes out a sponge and he just starts bathing me, like cleaning me up. And then I woke up in the morning. I was in a bed. I woke up, and uh I just told him I had to go to the embassy. <laughs> and so he rode me on his handlebars of his bicycle through town, dropped me off at the U.S. embassy, told him my situation, and they uh, they put me in a they put me in a prison on top of a mountain for three days until they got my plane ticket, and they flew me back. Man, so all all <laughs> of that,
0: and you said you spent. What about 30 months or about two years or so?
1: The first time, yeah, two and a half years. Yep.
0: Yeah. So man, all of the things that are going on there, how did that change? I mean, what what specifically inside of you changed to be able to say I can tackle this life in a different manner and I can go in a different direction? And the things that I had previously that I thought were valuable and the and the way that I thought I was living my what life, it's not gonna help me move forward. It's not gonna help me be not alone, right? You were saying if you know if I ever want to have any kind of a life. I I can't do it alone. I mean, that seems to be the theme going on. So what, what was that change? Like what, give me some details on that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, man, it was um, really that, that mission statement, you know, that I, I read that book and I wrote a mission statement to God, like pretty much like, yeah, if you're real, like, you know, like I could use some help down here. And um, you know, so when I did my time, I started reading the Bible more, um, some other good books, not really a fictional guy. So I like to read, and you know, they'll come at you with every religion, you know, and and when you're incarcerated, like everyone. So like I really got to the bottom of like, okay, like because you get a lot of confusion. So like I spent a lot of time reading like books on like apologetics, the case for Christ, like kind of dry books, but like just, you know, defending of the faith and like the fact like is Jesus is who he says he is, you know? Yeah. And um, cause I was like, if he is, then this changes everything, you know. The path to life is narrow, but the you know, the way to, you know destruction about the destruction is broad and, um, wide. And so, you know, the world always was saying, you know, like, well, make up your own God, do what you want. Like, you know, is it this religion, that religion, like, Oh my goodness. But Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth and the life. Nobody comes to the father except through me. So I was like, that's a bold statement. That's a narrow statement. That's a black and white statement. So I got to the bottom of that. And then I just fully put my trust in, in Christ. And I was like, okay, he is who he says he is. And then that journey began. And I can't say it was a perfect journey, but it's definitely like, it was the beginning of a relationship with them. And then, you know, I had to do my time. I'd get out. I got out. I told the courts I had a drug problem. So I'd go to rehab. I always did really good in prison and programs. I just, you know, followed the program, no issues, get out. As soon as I'd get out, I'd fall for the traps, you know, uh, the women, the drugs, everything that you think you're missing, you know, the lust of the flesh, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so I'd fall and then, you know, and I got in another trouble and then I got in a high speed pursuit and I ended up doing three years in state prison. And then that's when I really was just like, okay, like, you know, I'm done. (laughs) This pattern's not working for me. This pattern's not working. So, yeah. So, I wish it was like a one and done story. You know, I'm just, I, I, I just real stubborn, you know, cause like I said, I didn't grow up with a father, always did my own thing since like 12, 13 years old. And like it just took a while to break me, but God was faithful and he's always kept me, you know? And, so
0: where are you at right now? Like right now? Cause I mean, there's like you said, you're back and forth and back and forth, but right yeah. now. Like, what do you use as your guide, as your values? Like, what do you, where are you at currently? If somebody was saying, look, I've been back and forth, I'm listening to the story. I can relate with Wes because I've been there back and I'm tired of this pattern.
1: Yeah. What would you tell that guy right now? Or gal? Full surrender, full surrender to Jesus, period. Like, no, no, like, uh, maybe I can get a little bit, maybe I could still date the world a little bit or do my own thing a little bit. I'd say full surrender, you know, it says you've been bought with the price that your life is not your own anymore. And, and the more, it, you know, that you would believe in Jesus Christ and that he is who he says he is and that, you know, he just wants your whole heart, you know, and, and that's, that's, that was the game changer for me. Cause I was playing with it. Like it ruined everything to know the knowledge that I knew. Cause I had six years to read and study the Bible and to go back out into the world. It's like, I had a grace, like to actually experience what the Bible tells you not to do. Like those parameters that God puts up, like I always thought, like was the, you know, take away my fun, take away my freedom, take away all this stuff. But really those parameters are the parameters where life happens, life and life more abundantly happens because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Christ comes to give us life and life more more abundantly. Well, that happens in the parameters that he set for us because he's a good father. And so when I finally was like, I'm going to surrender all to him and just, I'm not messing around anymore. Like I'm going to go to, to a ministry school and I'm like, cause I tried the AA thing and all that kind of stuff. It's like, oh, well pick your own God and put down the drugs and then sleep with whoever you want. I was like, well, that's not what my Bible says. <laughs> and that's the stuff that got me in trouble to begin with. And yeah. I was like, so, you know, yeah, I could be sober, but pretty much marching my way straight to hell. Like, you know, it's like, you know, you know, it's like, so I'm like, I read the Bible too for too long to know. So I was like, that's not going to work. So when, what really changed was the full surrender. I'm like, I was supposed to go to this ministry school. The first time I got out of prison, my mom was going to pay for it, which is a miracle in itself because we, like I said, we grew up extremely poor. She was really tight with money and she was going to pay like the $6,000 tuition, which is still really cheap for like a year long program. But I was like, no, I have to do it on my own. I have to make my own money. And that was just a trap and that was pride and, and, and whatnot. So that's amazing. We have to constantly be learning lessons. It doesn't yeah, stop. <laughs> it doesn't stop. No, I'm still learning. Them, you know? and, <laughs> and, and so, you know, that's the thing that when I finally like drew the line the, the in the sand and I was like, you know what? I'm not playing with this anymore. Like the world is literally like the the devil, the demons, the world, my, you know, my own pride, all this stuff is literally, literally trying to kill me, you know? Mm. So I'm going to go all in with Jesus. I'm going to give God a hundred percent and, and see how that works out for me. And so I went to ministry school. I met my wife. I have a beautiful daughter, an amazing wife. You know, I got a successful business. I disciple guys. I've traveled the world preaching the gospel. I've been to Uganda. I've been back to Nicaragua. I've been on TV in Nicaragua preaching the gospel. I've been on the radio preaching the gospel. I've been to prisons and orphanages I go to a rehab once a month in California and I preach the gospel there and and win souls and and see miracles happen and so you know when I finally just gave Everything to God. And it was just like, yeah, you can have it all. Like, if you really, like, if you want to take this mess and make it a message, like, you can, like, have it all. And, like, bringing yeah, order to chaos. Yeah, bringing order to chaos, man. And, and he's the only one that can do it. He's the only one that can bring the order into the chaos. And it's this submission and the surrender, like, a full surrender. Like, it can't be, like, there was grace. There was grace until I finally got to that point. And then they say, you know, the word, the word says, you know, those who have been forgiven much love much you know, because I know how much I've been forgiven of, and so, and I know that the goodness of God brings men to repentance, so God has been so good to me, even in my stubbornness, you know, and the analogy is, look, it's like sometimes, you know, those wild stallions, then when they get broke, they become the best horses, you know, (laughs) you got to break them, you know, and and so, like, that's how the Lord grace, graciously, like, You know, like, I just look back at my life and all the stupid stuff I did, you know, before him and even after knowing him. And then, like, you know, he just has saved me and, like, you know, to still be on this earth. And I just know that I'm saved to serve. And I just I know my identity now that I'm a son of God. I know that my purpose is to, you know, love him, love my family and love those around me. It's more of an adventure than I thought I was on before. before That's
0: a key element right there. More of yeah. an adventure than you ever dreamed. I mean, that's such a huge thing. Yeah. So we're, we're starting to wrap up here. But like, if yeah. there was one thing that you want to make sure that out of all of the stuff that you've said, what is the one point, the one takeaway that you want somebody to really walk away with? And the second part of that is if somebody wanted to talk to you or connect with you, how would they do that?
1: Yeah, sure. Man, the one thing, I mean, you know, if you're hopeless, there's hope. You know, if you're in a situation, you think that no one's gone through, someone has, what you're looking for is Jesus. He's the one that loves you, created you and wants a relationship with you and to spend all eternity with you. You know, he is that one thing that you've been looking for, for your whole entire life. You might be sort of searching for it in all the wrong places, but he's been calling you ever since you left your mother's womb and he just, he just loves you so much. That's the one and only thing that, you know, it really matters in life is that relationship with him, you know, cause he's the creator. He's the one who created us. And yeah, if you you ever wanted to talk about this or if you're struggling and going through any kind of uh, situation that you just feel like you're giving up hope, yeah, you could definitely reach out to me and just give your cell phone number if I can help anybody. I'm here to help, you know. And uh, so that's the message, you know, just turn to him, trust in him, fully surrender. He has your best interests. You know, the enemy does come to steal, kill and destroy. but Christ has come to give you life and life more abundantly. And he knows the plans that he has for you. And they're of good and not of evil plans to (laughs) prosper you, give you a hope and a future. You know, this, this is, this is the Bible. It's the, it's the, he's in the ministry. God's in the ministry of reconciliation. He's reconciling the world back to himself. And he has so much for you. Yeah. And hope's not not lost. It might look dark in the world, but man, where where there's darkness, the light shines brighter. Yeah, Amen. (laughs) And so, (laughs) Exactly.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, we're at the end of our time, but my goodness gracious, there's a lot to unpack there. And I'm sure that there's many, many more stories that you could tell. I think your life would probably fill pages of books (laughs) to be able to do that. But thank you, Wes, for taking the time to share a little bit with us. We'll definitely put some stuff in the notes as far as within the thing, be able to have some contact information. We can gather that and get that. Sure man absolutely love it absolutely love it so thank you so much
1: yeah thank you tim it's a pleasure
0: all right uh so next time again if you haven't if you've listened to this one and haven't listened to kathleen you need to listen to kathleen if you listen to kathleen and now you're just finishing this one man this is a duo that is a powerful duo make sure you guys if you have a chance to get in touch with them listen to them this is an awesome way to be able to talk with them so until next story we will talk to you then Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the author of your story? Take the next step now at www.narrative.live. Enter your details to connect with a community of others just like you that are tired of living under the false narrative. Finding your true story and writing your narrative, it will give you clarity, freedom of your day, and it just might change your life forever.